The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Huge game for the Knicks. Huge. Huge game tonight. And I hear what Allen had to say. And I heard him say that on his show with Bart Scott. And I agree with him to a point. That, yes, that's what you want to see when you get to April. That, that's the important thing is everybody back is, is you know, what, what team is this? We'll get a chance to see. But the question becomes, how much work will they have to do? Remember, this team was, this team was, we'll get to the calls in a second. This team was flirting with the second seed. Flirting with, flirting. I didn't think they were going to get there. But they were flirting with the second seed. You were trying to be top three in your division. Trying to be top three in the conference. And by the time these guys get back, based on how they've played, and it's not like they're taking it easy. They're playing their hearts out. They can't play any harder than what they're playing. They're just The shots just aren't falling, and part of that is fatigue. You know, part of that is, you know, no legs near the, at the end of games because you're working so hard defensively. You're flying all over the place. But, I mean, how, how, you know, how far down will they be that they have to fight back? That's the question. That becomes the question. You know, we knew that all, we were hoping they would be able to hold on. You give me 500, I'm great. I mean, right now I'm not getting 500. I'm not. And, you know, once again, you knew Miami was going to make a run. And <laughs> they're right there. They go out on the West Coast. They have six games on the West Coast trip, five and one. Typical heat. Typical heat. Big game tonight in Cleveland. 1-800-919-3776. Spike, lead us off. All right. You got me thinking. I think you referred to me on some of those lines. Um Look, this is a huge game, and you have to what was and what is are two different things. So let's put that right on the table, all right? So we're on the same pitch. Julius Randle, I don't think, will come back. It's his right shoulder when you're left-handed, and he made that turn move using his right shoulder, if you if you could picture it. That's what he used to get position oftentimes. You know, he dropped his right shoulder down and used it for strength and then pivoted and turned around and either because he shot predominantly 80, you know, 80% of his shots were off from the left hand, you know? So, so he's not there. We miss his points. We miss his toughness. Okay. Precious Achua has been exposed a little bit, not for effort, not for what he does, but for lack of size. We're small. So the only thing I come up with, the only way I don't believe this Donovan Mitchell's not going to play tonight. He sat out the other night just for this game. I think that was a coaching strategy. I really believe, we, and I don't like it, I don't like it, but the two B-boys, Burks and Bogey, are going to have to run all ball screens and side-out curls, and they're going to have to duck and chuck and throw them up there. Larry, I'll tell you, I don't care if they throw up 12 shots each and they make – 35%. It may be enough because if some of those rebounds off the mysteries come out long enough, our guards have always been proficient at getting those long rebounds because you, you alluded to it perfectly. Those offensive rebounds are costing us another shot. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's very, very difficult. Now, Cleveland's front line is a little better than they were last year, 
But I said to you the other night, and you agreed with me. We usually agree uh, that uh, Brunson and McMillan, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell, rather, Mitchell and Brunson are equally important to their team. They're the engine that steers their their teams. So um, they're different players, but we have to get those two guys we just got. They got to get out there and fire away, Larry. You know, I don't care if they fire away and they're three for 14, one of them, and the other guy's six for 12. I'm good. I'm mm-hmm. good. I got to get four threes out of each one of those guys. Now, if they take 18 shots together, we have no chance. But I can't come up with anything else. We have no low post presence. And Brunson, they're going to throw everything at him. You know mm-hmm. that. They're yep. going to make him work. Right. And you can't go past seven. You really can't. I'm just keying in on one thing that's important to me. Can Hartenstein, without re-injuring himself, give you 28 minutes and get 13 rebounds, like three offensive rebounds and a couple of putbacks, keep us in the game, and maybe the, the two seasoned guys, they must be 70 years old between Bogey <laughs> and, and Burks, right? They've yeah. been there before. Just one of them get hot and the other guy have his average game, and we, we could keep it close. But the line's seven now, a six and a half. That means Donovan Mitchell's playing. What yeah. do you think of my theory? Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, Spike. Thanks for the phone call. I agree with it. I agree with it. Um, I just I just think what they'll have to do is they got to set up bogey better. You know, they, he's not – you can give it to him, but if there's a defender there, sometimes he doesn't feel like taking that shot. He, he He's a catch-and-shoot guy predominantly, not totally, predominantly. He's been a catch-and-shoot guy. So, for them, that's what they have to – they have to try to get him quicker open shots. And it's hard to do because, you know, they're not – the, the opponent's not missing a lot of shots, so you would like for them to push the tempo a little bit where you could get it down earlier, beat the defense down, and give him some open shots to at least get him going. So that's that's the thing that you're missing right now because you just don't have the rebounding. And you're right about Hartenstein, and I you know it's going to be tricky. I think, and I know what Tibbs was trying to do was save him for the fourth quarter, try to see predominantly spread, you know, sporadically playing a couple of minutes here, playing a couple of minutes there, and then but for the fourth quarter I want to play the, the majority of, of his minutes so I can have him late in the game where I need defense and I and I need, you know, his defensive presence and I need some scoring. And that's what he's been looking for. So we'll see what happens. Uh but right now, where's that scoring coming from? You're right. They're not letting I wouldn't let Jalen Brunson beat me. Somebody else has got to beat me. I'm taking the ball out of his hands. If I come double teaming him, I don't want him. To, I don't want him to have the ball. I'm taking the ball out of his hands. If DiVincenzo goes crazy and beats me, I'll live with it. All right. If Josh Hart goes crazy and beats me, I'll live with it. If Bogey and Burks beats me together, I'll live with it. I'm not living with Jalen Brunson beating me. I'm just not. It's not happening. Can't do it. Can't. And with good reason. Why would you? I mean, he's the most consistent. He's the number one guy. He is. He's the number one guy. There's there's nobody else that you consistently think is going to beat you right now on this team. Can't. I mean, they've shown signs. Like I said, DiVincenzo's been great. He's, he's cooled off the past couple of games. He hasn't been as hot as he was. But a lot of that's minutes. A lot of that's, you know, legs. You got to have strong legs for your jumper. When your legs go, the shot gets flat. 
and especially some of the he's putting it up from three, so you know he's got range. And it's just it's 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 crazy. It's crazy what you see. But uh, you know, right now, I know the question. Some people wonder, you know, who do you need first? Do you need Randall? Do you need Ananobi? Give me, give me somebody. I'll tell you if it's up to. I don't care which one. Okay, which one? I mean, in theory, I guess from a scoring standpoint, you would probably say Randall. But for me, from a defensive standpoint, and he can give me some scoring, give me Ananobi. But I need somebody else back. I need some size back on my floor. Because I, 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 I'm, I'm getting killed. And even though the Knicks are still out-rebounding teams, as I mentioned to you, the offensive boards is not the same. You know, the Knicks were dominating the offensive boards and keeping the opponents off the offensive boards. And now what's happening over the last couple of games, the offensive the boards are kind of they're almost even. So it's gonna be a tough one tonight, but the Knicks have to find a way to win. We'll continue the conversation next on 987 ESPN. The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. You know, the Garden of Laughs returns to the theater at Madison Square Garden on March 27th, and it benefits the Garden of Dreams Foundation. Now, the all-star comedy lineup features Bill Burr, Michael Che, Chris DiStefano, Jim Gaffigan, Heather McMahon, Tracy Morgan, Sam Morrell, and Jon Stewart, and it's hosted by Steve Sabripa. Support the Garden of Dreams Foundation and have a great time doing it. Get tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Talking Knicks at 1-800-919-3776 for a couple more minutes. Then we'll turn our attention to some football action as we get, uh, you know, the combine was going on and we have all the mock drafts out and everybody's, you know, wondering and curious what people are going to do and whatnot. So we'll turn our attention to some football in a couple of minutes. But before I get back to the Knicks, I got to bring Joe Leo in because uh, over the past couple of games, your Brooklyn Nets are showing some signs, Joe Leo. You got to be. Let me ask you this: Does it mean a lot to you to make the plan, understanding that you probably be may, you may not get out of the plan to to get to the playoffs to continue, or does it mean a lot to you, or would you just like, well, you know what? Listen, it's a lost season. I I don't care. No, it's playing or bust because we don't have our pick. If we had our pick, then I would be singing a different tune. But having a season where you're basically playing for pride, you need to make the play-in. And it's put-up-or-shut-up time with this team because they've dug themselves this far into a hole that it was nice to see some response after getting their brains beat in every game, it seemed like, against an Atlanta team that didn't have Trey Young but – you know, Atlanta did have a couple of big leads in in both those games. So hopefully this is a sign of things to come. Uh, jury's still out on Kevin Ollie for me, but absolutely you have to make the playing game. Do you see a difference in this team with Kevin Ollie? Do you see a difference offensively? Not yet. Do you see, do you, is he focusing in on different people? It's, it's really kind of the same thing? It's kind of the same thing, but I guess that's, I mean, how different can it be? He was on Jacques Vaughn's staff. I know he's a different style of a coach, but there needs to be some of an. There's a little bit of an adjustment period. It's like the same thing with Milwaukee. I'm not comparing Kevin Ollie to Doc Rivers, but mm-hmm. you have to run some of the same stuff 
immediately in order to gain the guy's trust. And the one thing that I am very happy about is Dennis Schroeder and Mikhail Bridges. Mm -hmm. They're finally running the offense. When the team gets into a little bit of a rut, one of those two guys gets his hands on the ball and calms stuff down and allows the team to kind of take a deep breath. Also, they're just getting healthier. They were banged up a lot through the beginning of January through February. So getting guys back off minutes restrictions is something that, again, hopefully breeds winning. But right now, there's no difference, personally. For me, and, you know, listen, I'm not saying that Jacques Vaughn was the greatest coach ever, but it helps when you have a point guard. I mean, I'm just telling you, as a Knicks fan who's watched and been begging for a point guard for like 20-plus years, it helps when you have a point guard. And those games that you lost in the fourth quarter earlier this season, if you had Dennis Schroeder on this team, you're not losing those games. No. And it's not because I'm saying he's Magic Johnson or Chris Paul or the greatest point guard ever, but it's because he knows how to run an offense. And you had other people just trying to, you know, Mikael Bridges was trying to run the offense, and everybody's like, okay, well, Force the ball out of his hands. Who will get somebody else to try to beat us? And I get that. Look, the mistake was for you to think that you were going to get anything from Ben Simmons. Anything. I mean, there should have been a point guard in camp anyway. And if you got something from Ben Simmons, great. You got something from Ben Simmons. But the fact that you seem like you were expecting much more from him then you've gotten was a mistake. And so now that you've got somebody who understands what it is and what, how to handle an offense and run things, it's a, it's a huge difference. To me, that jumps off the page. Yeah, and I'm not expecting anything. I, I at one point this year, said he would never play in a Nets uniform again. I was dead wrong, but not by much. He's played maybe four games since I made that declaration. And a lot of guys are playing for their jobs. Nick Claxton yeah. playing to get paid next year. I know Dennis Schroeder is under contract with the Nets next year, but if things go a certain way, he could find himself back on a contender. Mikhail Bridges, I mean, there's conversations that he might be going to Houston in the summer for yeah. a lot of the picks that we traded in the James Harden trade. So a lot of these guys are playing for their next stop, and hopefully that, you know, playing for pride actually kicks in and will breed winning because net fans are starved for it right now. And they're kind of frustrated with the direction of this franchise because it seems like there isn't a direction. Mm. But if you get to the play-in, at least you can say we made the playoffs in some shape or form. I, it, It's still technically not a playoff mm-hmm. game by NBA standards, but, right. I mean, it's a playoff gate for a team. Yep. Every team in the NBA looks at the play-in tournament as a playoff gate. So having that and being able to build off that in kind of a lost year and say, you know, things we kind of lost our way halfway through the year, but we at least made the play-in game, I think that's something that will, whatever happens in the summer, be the step in the right direction. You're right. So I hear you. It's just curious how fans think, you know, um, and I get it because you don't have draft choices. You're like, listen, I don't want to be in this. Let me, let me, let me, let me take a swing at the ping pong balls. But um, you know, you might as well see where you can go. And by you having something to play for, it gives you a chance to evaluate the folks you have on this team, and you'll be able to make some decisions 
and make some trades that you feel like you, you know, you have to go through to try to get better. Now, one last thing. Are you are you okay with them tearing it up again? If they get rid of Sean Marks, if it's a complete teardown and new GM, new head coach, and they just come out flat out and say this is the direction of the team, sure. I don't want to half rebuild, half contend. I don't want this wishy-washy, no-man's-land sort of structure that we've had since the Kyrie and KD trades. So find some solid footing. Actually tell the fans and be uh, up front with them and say this is the direction that we're going. And if it's a rebuild and we can get some picks for guys like Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges, I don't like that because I want to watch my team win and root for them to win. But if if that's the direction that they want to go, at least be up front and and tell us and, and don't try to sell it as something else. And please, if it's... Sean Marks again, I, I don't know what this is going to look like. It might be a 10-year rebuild at this point. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, it's, it's funny how you he lost uh, a lot of luster. You know, he was real good when he first got here. Made some nice moves, brought a nice young nucleus together. And once again, did what a lot of other GMs wanted to do. KD and Kyrie became available. And he rolled the dice and tried to get them and put some people around them and I tell you, if, if it's crazy, but if KD's feet are half size less, it might be a different conversation about how we remember that team. And who's to say that if they go deep into the postseason, that changes everything, how they look at each other, how they felt, how close they were to, you know, let's run it back, look how close we were. We were right there. We got to the conference finals. We lose to the Bucks. We ended up winning that year. You know, let's go. Let's, you never know how that would have turned. You never know how that would have changed things. That's one know? sliding door moment. And the other thing is, for like 20 minutes, Ime Udoka was the head coach of this basketball team. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I know for certain is Kyrie and Katie loved Udoka. Mm-hmm. Loved him when he was on the coaching staff with Nash. So if yeah. he's the coach of this team, I know that would have brought a ton of controversy, but he would have been the adult in the room when all the stuff with Kyrie and KD went down right before they got traded. So maybe things would have been different. I don't know if they would still be on the team, but maybe they would be on the would have been on the team at the start of this year and the aspirations for this team wouldn't be so murky right now. Yeah. It's crazy how things one one situation can change a bunch of things. One situation. And then, and then you know what that means, Joe. Then maybe Boston doesn't go deep because they Odoka really took that team over and changed them. So it, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. We'll continue the conversation with you on 98.7 ESPN. The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. We focus a lot on Saquon Barkley, and obviously so because of, you know, the free agent situation he's in and – franchise tag and all the you know, conversation that we had about him and how important he is to this team. But let's be fair. The next thing is what's up with Daniel Jones? And will the Giants in this draft consider taking a quarterback? And where will they take this quarterback? Now, obviously, he's really signed this year. I mean, you could let Daniel Jones go after the end of the season, okay? 
He's really signed for this year. After that, you, you'll take him. He's gone. Goodbye. Done. Fine. But once again, that's the big issue with him. It's availability. He has talent. There's no question that Daniel Jones has talent. Nobody will dispute that. The level of talent, well, it goes back and forth because then you have to ask, well, what weapons does he have to throw to? And it's the reason why a lot of us think that Saquon Barkley is so important to this team because of the fact that he's been the biggest, most consistent weapon that Daniel Jones has had. I mean, he's had receivers, but they've been injured too. All right? And the Derek Waller signing, like that's been a major disappointment. You knew you were rolling the dice with him. If he could stay healthy, that we said it all the time. Every statement with him is the same. He's a great tight end. He's really good. He's, he's, he's efficient. If he can stay healthy. Well, he didn't stay healthy. He missed, what, 14 games for the Giants last year? 14? And now he's contemplating retirement? John's expecting him to come back for a second year. He's like, I haven't made a decision yet. I might come back. I might retire because I missed 14 games last year. I, you know, and I'll say this, you know, putting out a, you know, some music kind of makes me think that he might be looking at, to do something else. I mean, there's a, I, remember, I don't remember who said it to me, and I've heard it a thousand times since. But when somebody tells you they're contemplating retirement, they're already retired as an athlete. Sometimes you're already retired. If you're thinking about it, you know, maybe. Now, obviously, Aaron Rodgers was was not that person. But who knows? If he had stayed with Green Bay, maybe he would have retired. I don't know. But uh, once again, that was supposed to be a weapon for Daniel Jones, the tight end. Situation didn't work out. So the Giants have major things. Once again, they're not – everybody needs a quarterback. You, you have to have a quarterback in the National Football League to win. Have to. Have to have a quarterback. Okay? Then you have to have a great line play. And then the rest goes on from there. But the Giants need a lot of stuff. They need a lot. Dan Olavsky on Get Up This Week with Greeny says, you know what, the Giants should be planning for the – after Daniel Jones era. The Giants should absolutely be planning for life post to Daniel Jones in regards to both his ability to play and his ability or his availability. He's missed a ton of games mm -hmm. over the last four or five seasons because of injury, and he's taken a ton of hits. And, and we talk about, I remember having the conversation, and I was somebody a little blind to it in regards to Lamar and the hits that he was going to take and, the you know, as a running quarterback. Daniel Jones has taken just as many hits as Lamar did early on in his football career, and those have added up. And his play hasn't warranted that, that total confidence for the future. So I would love that. I don't think Drake May is going to be there at six, but I would love that. All right. So, Dan, should the Giants trade up to try to get the quarterback? I don't look at them all that different than New England. The Giants have too many issues and holes to sit there and say, hey, let's go jump our quarterback. Let's go jump to go get a quarterback. If he fell to them, Absolutely, run to the podium. But the Giants have too many holes, both on their offensive line, and they still need to upgrade the perimeter talent rather than going and making a move for a quarterback. Yeah, 
Got a lot of holes to fill. There's no question. And, you know, they got to work on their offensive line. You know, we talk about the Jets' offensive line a lot. Giants have to work on their offensive line too, okay? Uh, so they have to do that. And they still have to – I mean, Jalen Hyatt showed you something last year, but you still need to upgrade your, your skill position, guys. And if you're moving on from Saquon Barkley, I would assume that you have to get some more running backs. Okay? So there's a lot that the Giants have to do. There is a lot. And when you consider that you're still questioning your quarterback, I mean, it's a tough spot. It's a tough spot for Joe Shane. It's a tough spot for Brian Dable. Especially in Brian Dable's situation because, I mean, they have another rough season. I mean, his his hot seat was pretty warm last year. I mean, it could get really hot this year if they come out struggling. So they desperately need to find to figure out some things. And obviously, you know, knowing what's going on with the quarterback is important. So I would think that Daniel Jones would look, Daniel Jones is going to be their quarterback this year. I mean, obviously. You're paying him, you'll bring him in the you see what he has. He's coming back from injury. You don't know, you know, you gotta wait and see. You you'll play him and see what he brings to the table. But once again, you've got to upgrade the skill positions. Kind of upgrade them. Mel Kuyper Jr. was on with DPH and Rothenberg. All right, Mel. Uh, Drake May was mentioned at six. Would that be an upgrade for the Giants? I'm higher on Daniel than everybody. I, I guess everybody else. I don't know. I haven't heard many people rave about Daniel Jones. I'm not raving about him, but I think he's a really good quarterback in this league, a solid quarterback in this league, and who is not uh, has been unfairly criticized. And uh, we've kind of forgotten what he did a few years ago when he got hurt, not because of anything he could do. You get injured because your your supporting cast was not very good. But I'm moving forward with Daniel Jones. He's not 38 years old. He's not at the end of his career. He's not in the middle of his career. He's entering the prime of his career. So I don't think these. I'll, I'll say this. I, I don't see what Drake. May brings to the table that Daniel Jones doesn't. I really don't. I watch Drake May. I don't know if people out there have studied. Drake May had a had a rough end of the season. If you watch Drake May play college football against Virginia, NC State, and Clemson, you would say, I don't really think this guy's our guy. So go back and watch those games. If you think he's better than Daniel Jones after those three games, then, then more power to you. But see, he's not supposed to be better than Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has been in the league. Daniel Jones has played at this level. We're trying to figure out what Drake May is. We're trying to, you know, guess, well, you know, what what could he be? And you don't really know because ultimately it depends on what team drafts Drake May. And what and what is the supporting cast to help him? So you really don't know. He might not be that great. You might be right. Mel, I mean, I'm not gonna argue with Mel Kuyper Jr. He's he's seen and studied more college players than I can even think of. But to, to, for me, the comparison of, okay, here's a college guy and the pro guy that's in the league is better. He should be better. He's got experience. Everybody's not C.J. Stroud that comes in and lights up the league as a rookie quarterback. You know, it's rare. The way that Stroud did. I mean, Stroud was dominant this year. So, you know, but once again, uh, the availability is the key wild card here. And we know that you can't criticize injuries because injuries happen. It's a 100% injury sport. Every game, somebody gets injured. 
Every game, somebody gets hurt. Every game. So you know that. But once again, this is my franchise quarterback. The availability is important. And if it's not, then I need to bring in a heck of a backup because I know that my, my franchise quarterback is going to play maybe what? 10, 11 games? Maybe? Maybe? And, the, and he's missed serious injury games. I mean, the neck, that's a major thing. That's major. I mean, you, you, know, you get concerned. One hit, could, you know, you don't know the effectiveness, and then he could be out for a longer period of time. And once again, you know what I always say. If you're the Giants, you hope to never be in this spot again. So it means that if you're not in this spot again, you really want to try to get a quarterback here. Now, I, once again, I, I agree with Jordan. I don't think they're going to be in the position to move up to get one. But I do think they might have to try to get one in this draft and may, maybe, you know, to bring them along. And I think Don LeGrecker made a great point uh, during the K-Show during the week. And it's, it's not only that you drafted Daniel Jones, it's where you drafted Daniel Jones. If he's late first round, early second round, the, ex- the expectation is not as high. You know, you, let's be honest. They reached to get him. They reached to get him at six. So now you're in that spot. And you just paid him a lot of money. You know, listen, quarterback market is already set. He took advantage of that, and rightfully so. So now you have to make a decision. Are you going to take a quarterback or not? And it's not going to be one of the top guys. It's going to be somebody that you move further down. Maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe it's a J.J. McCarthy. Maybe it's somebody further down that, you know, maybe the Giants will try to have a shot at. It'll be interesting to see what they do. We'll continue the conversation on 98.7 ESPN. The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Larry Hardesty Show here on 98.7 ESPN. Sad news. Chris Mortensen, an award-winning journalist who reported on the NFL for us for more than three decades, died earlier this morning at the age of 72, his family announced. Mort joined ESPN in 1991 and was a regular contributor to the network's NFL shows and Sports Center. He was a regular newsbreaker for ESPN, including the news that Peyton Manning was retiring in the National Football League. 2016, he received uh, the Pro Football Writers of America Dick McCann Award and was honored during the Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony in August of that year. Uh, Mortensen, you remember, was diagnosed with stage 4 throat cancer in January 2016, stepped away from his role at ESPN last year to, quote, focus on my health, family, and faith. Chris Mortensen has passed away at the age of 72. And when you think of... uh, Breaking news in the National Football League. When you think of who knew about trades, I mean, Adam Schefter is tremendous, does a tremendous job. And Chris Mortensen was Adam Schefter before Schefter got to ESPN. He did a tremendous job, and he will be missed. He was a great guy, great to talk to. Um, 
very sad, very sad that he lost his battle with uh, cancer. And our prayers and condolences go out to his family. We're continuing our conversation about the National Football League. Uh, let's talk about the draft for a second. Let's hear from a couple of these quarterbacks, shall we? Let's hear from Caleb Williams on what he's told teams during this interview process. And I'm very curious to hear this because I'm always intrigued to hear, and I don't know that he'll share it, but it's always fun to hear the type of questions that folks are asked about at these uh, combines and these interviews. So here's what uh, Caleb Caleb Williams had to say about what he's told teams during the interview process. I want to go to a place that wants to win. Um, a whole, a whole, you know, 360. So I mean, in the from the top all the way to you know the guys, um, and 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 down to the, the down to the, the the janitors, the people that um, you know that, that that you know make everything run. Um, you know, it's just everybody wants to win. Everybody's a part of that, and 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 you know we all take care of each other. Uh, why no medicals at the combine, Caleb? For the medical stuff, I'll be doing the medical stuff, just not here in Indy. I'll be doing it at the team interviews. Not 32 teams can draft me. Uh, there's only one of me. Um, and so uh, the teams that I go to for my visit, um, you know, those teams will have the, the medical, and, and, and that'll be it. On 30-some games, I believe, go ahead and go watch real real live ball of me and uh, see how I am as a competitor. Well, that's interesting. Um... I'm sure that teams are going to – he's going to be taking a bunch of physicals. I get it. I guess it's not that big a deal whether he takes it at the combine or doesn't because the teams are going to require, excuse me, certain physicals and everything when he goes to the individual workouts and tryouts. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. But I just – I'm very curious to see where he goes. And I'm very curious to see how he performs because, let's be honest, C.J. Stroud has set a very high bar for you to be able to come in and make an an immediate impact on your team the way he did last season. And yeah, once again, every team is different. Every team has different things that you work around. Every team is not the same level of coaches. Every team is not the same level of coordinators and position coaches and people that can work with you. Not even the same level as a head coach and what's demanded for you and how to make things simple and how to build you along and how to understand that I have to tailor my game plan to you as opposed to you tailoring, as opposed to telling the quarterback to the game plan. I may have to adjust. This is what I want to do. But I still may have to adjust some things because as I work with him and I see him, there's some shortcomings I see here that he needs to improve on. There's some things that he needs to get better at. Okay, I get it. And so it's such a wide range. You're just gambling. You don't really know. It's clearly not an exact science. Otherwise, more quarterbacks would be successful. But it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. And does he go to a, to, a, to a big city? Does he go to a major franchise that's looking for somebody? And what's the pressure like for that? It's 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 interesting. It's going to be interesting. Once again, even though it's not really about the combine, it's about the running back market. And Adam Schefter was on NFL Live talking about how this running back market could change. 
It's all about supply and demand. And the supply of running backs in the free agent market this year is vast. Barkley, Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Tony Pollard, Austin Eckler, DeAndre Swift, and it doesn't stop there. There are all sorts of free agent running backs out there like Zach Moss. And so when you're talking about a draft also with a lot of good running backs, there aren't going to be a lot of running backs who are fortunate enough to cash in. Some will get paid, but more will be disappointed about what they're paid just because of the laws of supply and demand. Yeah, there's a lot of running backs out there. And unfortunately, in the draft, you have maybe not the level of talent, clearly. And you know that. You get it. But you're not paying. So you may take a lesser talented back, but you're paying him less, especially if you're in a situation where you have to really add some pieces to your team. And you can't afford to bring that big running back, that big name running back back to your team. I think I think Derrick Henry is going to be okay um, because of the fact that even though he's got a lot of treads, he's got – he's been running hard for a long time. But I still think he's got some tread left on those tires. I still do. And for the right team that can use him, I think he would be phenomenal. Uh, and I think Saquon could help some teams too. But once again, it's it's – as Shefty said, it's about supply and demand. And not only that, it's about, you know, cost being cost effective and trying to build teams even though they have raised the salary cap amount in the National Football League. They've raised it. It's a pretty good amount. But still, there's other things that you have to get. If you're a team that's you know, that's been that's had injuries on your offensive line, you're looking well, I need to sign some offensive line people. Because I need some depth. Because really, ultimately, that's what this—that's what the NFL is, what all sports is. But especially in the National Football League, because of its physicality, it's about depth and the talent level that you have at that depth. Right? It's how how close are you? How close are your backups to your starters? Is it a deep drop, or is it a medium drop? And that's the difference. That difference will help you navigate and stay afloat while, you're, while your player is hurt until he comes back. Okay? And the versatility to be able to play more than one position. So there's value. So right now, everybody in the National Football League is looking for added value. Everybody's trying to figure out what are we going to do? How do we get some added value now in these situations? And it's going to cost some running back some jobs. It's the way it is. Because it's unfortunately, it's a position right now that folks are really not trying to spend a lot of money on if they don't have to. If they can find some, some less expensive choices that can do the same thing as far as running the ball hard with speed. Now, you may not get the blocking that you want that you have from your veteran free agent back to understand how important that is. The skill level for that may not be as good. But you'll take that chance. You'll put an extra whole lineman in there. You put an extra tight end in there. And whatever you have to do. But you want to save some money. So it's unfortunate because what do we talk about all the time? I mean, during the regular season, we talk about the importance of the, of the running back. Oh, it's nice when you have a balanced offense. Oh, look what happens. This team is too pass happy. Look how much better they are when they run the ball some. 
Look how look the balanced offense is great. Oh, he can catch the ball out of the backfield and do some things. He can move some people around. We all talk about that during the regular season. But in trying to get a, a running back, we don't want to pay for it. Because nobody else is paying for it. So it's like, why do we need to pay? Nobody else is paying. Doesn't make sense. But it does. If you really want to get a, a running back that's going to help you move the football and help you keep your offense going and especially be effective in the red zone. I mean, look look at what Kansas City did with their running back. I mean, they were struggling. Struggling. And then all of a sudden, late in the season, they got him going. And nobody was talking about the receivers dropping the football anymore. Well, not as much. Because they were able to move the football down the field. And so, it's crazy to look at that and say, at this time of the year, well, we're devaluing the running back. We don't really need a running back. We're, we're good. We're, we don't have to worry about that. We're, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> but during the regular season, what are we all talking about? Sure wish, we had a, sure wish we had a good running back to take that pressure off the quarterback or to do some play action or to do this or to do that. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. But that's the situation the Giants find themselves with and a couple of other teams as well. And listen, it hurts you when you're a Giant team that understands that although Saquon Barkley you don't want to give him a multi-year deal, right? You don't really want to do the franchise tag because of the fact that there's so many free agent guys out there. So you want to bring you so you kind of want to bring him back because he fits in your offense. But once again, the concern is it's availability. And it's not his fault, but he just, you know, he, he, he has situations where he doesn't stay healthy. And you know, struggling behind an offensive line doesn't help him. <laughs> it just doesn't. Doesn't help him. And it doesn't help the Giants at all. And it kind of clouds what they think they can do with their total evaluation of Daniel Jones going forward. As you bring it back full circle. Because that's the concern they have. They have not been able to find consistent weaponry. Offensively. That they can hang their hat on. Other than Saquon Barkley. Not been able to do it. Receivers? Nope. Tight end? Nope. Not consistently. And the offensive line's been up and down as well. And so they've relied on the legs of Daniel Jones and the legs and arms of Saquon Barkley for the most part to keep their, their offense rolling. And they've allowed and they relied on their defense to keep things close. So hope that they can, you know, make a last second drive or make some moves and go down the field and, you know, have their offense keep it close. 
have the defense keep it close so the offense can maybe, you know, find a way to get a field goal, drive and get a game-winning field goal. That's how they made the, that's how they made the playoffs the first year under Dable and Shane. That's how they did it. Defense was outstanding. Kept the game close. They didn't turn the ball over offensively. Okay? And they found a way to get some points late. And they were aggressive on fourth downs. So that's how they turn things around. But that's not the same Giants team. And so they've got a lot of work to do to figure out what they're going to do in their draft board and to figure out what changes they want to make and who's going to be some free agents that they're going to try and sign. It's going to be interesting. We'll continue the conversation on 98.7 ESPN.